Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am super excited to get the guests on the show this week. We've already dove into many interesting topics as we prepared, so this is going to be a great conversation. Patricia Duchesne, VP of Sales at Postal.io. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, David. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. This is a very exciting time for the industry that you're in and for everything that we're working on in sales development. How did you get into Postal, you know, as a VP of sales and, you know, what brought you up to this point? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll try not to go too far back. So I met our CEO and co-founder, Eric Kostelnik, at a previous company called Reich, which is a work management platform. I was there for seven years. And during my tenure, Eric actually had been my boss. So I was in Dublin, Ireland for about five years working for Reich, helping them launch their international operations. And Eric reached out to me mid-summer and was like, hey, I've got this idea. I think I'm going to go and I'm going to look for funding. I'd love to talk to you about it. So originally, Eric and I were actually talking about it from the perspective of he wanted my opinion as a sales professional. And it was just one of those pieces of technology that I couldn't, I was super interested in. I couldn't deny that I needed it or that I wanted it as a, as a sales leader. I couldn't deny that I wanted it for my sales team. And for a couple conversations with Eric, as well as with my husband, because we were in Ireland, we just decided that it made sense to move back to the States and actually give this a real try. So that's at the end of 2018, we packed up our lives, which included a dog, which is not easy to move internationally, I might add, and then made our way to California to give Postal a, a good go. Okay. So what was it that made you so interested in this and what does it do? Yeah. Good question. Well, that's, that's a great question. I should probably go there. So I know it's fairly important. So to give you a little bit of context, so obviously I, mean, I was That's managing, a big commitment, right? It's, oh, it's a huge commitment. That's a, oh yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. No, people are always like, people are like, yeah, you moved companies. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I believe so much in this. I moved continents. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I moved continents. I made my husband change his job for the second time in a row. I didn't marry a great guy. Thank you if you're listening. And I moved to California to, to see this in, in fruition. And the reason I did that is so context, I'm working in Europe. I was also managing APAC operations. And so I had quite a bit of data at my disposal. And the things that we were, we were paying very close attention to are all the usual metrics that sales and marketing professionals care about. You're looking at website traffic, you're looking at you know, top of funnel lead conversions, you're looking at meeting to opportunity lead conversions. And the reality was, is that like our, if you think about, you know, Mark Roberge said, you know, stop cold calling and drive inbound marketing and that educational conversation. But when we were looking at that inbound, the quality and the quantity was just simply decreasing. And so we were looking at alternatives for how we as salespeople control the controllables. Like what could we do to expand our breath? And it's a little bit challenging, particularly in Europe and, and soon to be in California with how you engage from an outbound sales motion because outbound, traditional outbound in many, in many uses is actually not legal. 
There's something called GDPR, which is a data protection regulation in Europe, which basically says that it is an opt-in culture. It is not an opt-out culture, which we have here predominantly in the States. You know, you have to unsubscribe. There you must subscribe. And so that makes it really challenging to do what salespeople do. And so at the time we were investing a ton of energy into figuring out what was something else we could try. So we did a cupcake campaign where we picked our top 30 or 50. I don't remember. We sent them cupcakes. And then of course we had like a a sequence that our sales team went through and they called and they emailed and they called and they emailed to try to drive conversions. And it was okay. I think it worked. I I mean, the metrics said that it worked, but it was really laborious it paid for itself if you just think about, obviously, the cost of the cupcakes, but I'm not confident that it paid for itself the amount of energy it took to coordinate it and to push all that information manually into Salesforce and all of that jazz. And so when Eric came to me and was starting to explain the vision for Postal, it was solving all of those little pieces. You know, it was solving the manual input of, you know, what is the actual attribution of my offline engagement, which in my case at that time was obviously cupcakes. What am I sending and who am I sending to and what should I be sending? And also at this point, you know, how am I, how am I engaging with someone or how can I engage with someone more frequently in this offline realm? And remember in that case, I would be sent it to like 30 or 50 people. It was a lot of heavy lifting for 30 to 50 customers. And so Postal is aiming to basically bring the simple ease of use of all those marketing and sales in automation platforms. You think about like the HubSpots, the Marketos, the sales offs, the outreaches, the Eloquas. And I was saying, well, why can't we do something like that, but make it offline and make it really simple to use? So a sales professional has really no excuse to not engage in what I now call the fourth channel. I call it the fourth channel because you've got your calls. As a salesperson, you've got calls, you got emails, you got social, and now you have offline. And the key with salespeople, and I say this as a salesperson, is like, it's got to be in workflow and it's got to be simple. Because the minute it starts getting, it gets, gets too complicated, it's really easy to talk ourselves out of whether or not it's worth the time. So that's ultimately what led me to be like, I mean, I got to be a part of this. Like I get the pain. I've been there. I love the opportunity to build, to build a team to kind of educate the world around the solutions that are available. Got it. And so you were looking at this and you said, okay, with all these, the other three, I can track this. It's in my workflow already. It's, you know, easy, you know, it's not easy, but it's simple to track and use. But then there's this other thing, which is the physical, you know, aspect of it that is not yet there for most people. And so that's where this comes in. Exactly. All the other channels are necessary. I mean, you can dive into metrics all day. And there's, for people listening, if you haven't looked at HubSpot, their blog, they've got incredible resources for data that you can dive into. But it's really, really challenging right now to get people to actually engage. And when they do engage, to actually get them to convert. And so it's all about maximizing all of your touch points. You know, leave no stone unturned and trying to be different. People are receiving 100 plus emails a day. That's just a reality. And so if if you're not going to get their attention there, where else can you get it? Maybe LinkedIn, maybe phone. There's some solutions out there now that do text message. Not everybody responds well. So you got to know your ICP, make sure that you think this is someone that would respond well to that. But then there's offline. And so how do you trigger that just as easily as you trigger trigger an email? How do you do that? How do you break through all this noise? Because... It does seem like, you know, we're almost getting to the point of saturation 
you know, of, of email and automated, you know, messages and stuff like that. It's like you're flooded with that all day. How do you break through all that and, you know, set up a conversation with a prospect? Yeah. Well, the first step is know who you're selling to. If you're working, I guess, more of a spray and pray model, that means nailing down your ICP. I don't think spray and pray is working right now. So I would strongly suggest really refining who that is. But you got to nail down your ICP. Once you know who your ideal customer profile is, you got to take it, you got to take it in clusters because it's for people who are operating with a somewhat low contract value, spending 20 minutes on a lead may not make sense. You know, and but if your contract value is high, then you're starting, then then you can start to think about really high touch, hyper personalized ABM campaigns. But for those of you who maybe work in more lower deal value organizations where you're you're operating quite a few opportunities a month, that's just not gonna fly. And so in those cases, putting them into clusters. Okay, so I know my ideal customer profiles are typically these four titles. Okay, so now I'm gonna create really customized sequences per title. And in that, I'm going to automatically trigger certain offline engagements that I know would be appealing to those particular individuals. And that's how you can slowly start to refine a more personalized approach, but do it scalably. And that's the, that's the big thing with Postal is like, how do you do that scalably, but still make it personalized? And so even simple things, like you think about merge fields that you use in marketing and email automation, we have those now, we have those with offline. So you want to send a handwritten note card, you can do that and you can send 30 of them and all of them will be customized based off of the leads or contacts that you're pulling in from your CRM. And they will all be triggered as you have indicated in your sequence. So, and so, you know, a lot of managers look at, look at the numbers, like it's almost like a funnel, you know, and it's like, well, if you just make more phone calls and send more emails and now, you know, send more offline touches and stuff, then obviously we'll get more meetings set up. And and so how do you like balance if someone spends a lot of time researching and finding customized information with the need for a huge amount of volume of activities? Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think it's going to come down to the organization and drawing that line around your average deal value and what your team's willing to invest on lead acquisition. Because if your deals are small, you need to think about scale. It's not worth a ton of time and energy. And in those cases, the kind of workflow I just explained is going to be great. And that's going to work. And you can do that over and over again. Now, that's not to say that quantity is more important than quality. Like quality is key right now because everybody is seeing more website traffic that is known across the board. Website traffic has increased by 30 to 40% depending on where you are in the world. That's because everybody's at home and they're online. So everyone is, so people are searching for things. The challenge is getting those people to actually respond to you because if they're on your website, they're on your their competitor's website and they're on review websites and they're looking at everything that's available. And so your goal, if it's at that point, is okay, I think like these people should be looking at solutions like mine based off what I know, then how do you make yourself different? And I think that showing that you have maybe that you've read into their industry, showing that you have read their company, maybe they have publicly available financial reports, but dig into what truly matters to them. And if you are lower down the totem pole, if you sell to kind of the director and the manager levels, in those cases, 
I wouldn't worry so much about executive priorities and what the board is saying. I worry about them, what they care about. You know, if you're a BDR or SDR and you're working and you're, you're, you're sourcing, you know, C-level deals, those opportunities have got to be directly from what that, what that C-suite cares about. And that's all going to be in anything you can find online around core values, around any press releases that they have. But again, if your deal value is low, you're, you're going to want to focus on more quantity, but in a personalized way, because just spraying and praying isn't going to get you any there. But there's ways to do that super scalably. And then how do you find out, you know, if you're going to send them an offline gift or something like that, how do you find out what they like? And then how do you find out their address? Ooh, address is such a fun conversation given COVID. Yeah. You don't want to seem weird and like show up at their house, right? You know, it depends on who you're sending to. I have the beauty of, I, I, I get to sell to sales and marketing professionals who totally get what I do. You know, there's not a lot of translating. And so I actually love sending things to people's homes because at a minimum, they come back to me so often saying, how did you find my address? And it's, it's, I haven't gotten anybody who's creeped out by it. I've gotten a lot of people who are like, can you get on the phone with me and show me how you did this? Because people aren't getting, they're not getting things delivered to their house. And very few, as we found out recently, based on some calls that we've had the past month, very few people are getting calls on their cell phones. That information is available online. It's all connected to voter registration records. So there's going to be a margin of error, obviously. But that information is available. So how do you know what to send them, though? What to send them? Like, yeah. like, I mean, you know, if you wanted to send something to me, how would you find out what I want? So it depends on what I'm selling and how big the contract is. If I'm selling something that's six digits or more, I'm going to spend a bit of time on you if I think you're, if I think you're a good target. And I'm going to look up social media. I'm going to look at LinkedIn. My favorite thing to do on LinkedIn is to look up your activity. I go look and see everything you've been liking, everything you've been commenting. I then, you know, I check the social media. Usually you can find one or two photos if somebody's really locked down. If somebody's not very locked down, you can find obviously a lot more. And from that point, I'm going to take that information, anything that might be available in a press release. Sometimes people do get mentioned and company stuff. I found one person actually in the local newspaper. They participated in a nonprofit fundraiser. But those are the things that I would I would suggest people do to learn a little bit about their that profile. Now, if I'm selling something that is sub six digits, probably closer to like 75K or lower, I don't know if I want to send you something that hyper-personalized yet. You and I haven't been acquainted as much that I would that'd be ready to do that. And so instead I might send something really low cost, but that I think you might like. And in those cases, I might be as simple as sending you an invitation to have a conversation, a handwritten note card. And I in there and I say that and it seems super simple and it's super cheap, but you can do it at scale. And paper mail is like not a thing people get anymore. Unless it's Christmas or New Year's, you don't get it. Or it's a bill. But I think most people are paperless at this point. And at a minimum, you're gonna open it, you're gonna touch it, and you might throw it away. But Psychology tells us that that now is going to make you 70% more likely to recognize me and my brand the next time I reach out to you. And so when you're looking at your emails and you're getting ready to delete, you're going to recognize me and you are more likely then to actually open that email and give me a reply. And that's what I think is so interesting about these, these more affordable, low cost, yet highly scalable ways of communicating when you're talking top of funnel. Right. And then what do you do? So now the, the guy's got, you know, you send him some flowers. <laughs> and he's sitting sure. there we can send you flowers, David. 
<laughs> he's sitting there smelling the flowers. He's like, this is really cool. Like, what do you do that? I mean, you're like, hey, did you get my flowers? I mean, what do you say? Oh, well, if you're using postal, you know he got your flowers. You got an alert saying like, they've been delivered. In which case you were on your phone, like rapid fire. That That's a, to me, that's a lead engagement touch point. Oh, so you get a little indicator that they got it. And then exactly. you give them a call. Okay. Yeah, well, that's the whole value of it. Like, if you don't actually know if they got it, what's the point? Right. Yeah. And obviously, you know, obviously it can get sent to their house and it could say received and their, you know, their spouse picked it up. But you should know the minute it's been delivered to that home address. And for many, if you're doing any items outside of obviously paper mail, many of those things have to be signed for. So, you know, somebody's got it. Got it. And then what do you say when you call them? I mean, it seems like that'd be kind of a weird conversation. I. <laughs> It might be if I sent you flowers. It might be. <laughs> like, did you get the flowers? Do you want right. to, you know, what, what, what are we doing here? Come on. Yeah, yeah, Maybe. exactly. Well, hopefully, you know, I don't, <laughs> flowers are great. I think flowers might be a bit more of like a post-sale send. Again, have a little cop on when you're sending things to people you don't know. Okay. I always say that to people with alcohol shipments. People love sending alcohol and a lot of people like it, but it's something you gotta be really know someone before you send before you send something like that. Yeah. I get alcohol sometimes. I, I don't drink and I, I get bottles of alcohol. I'm like, okay. What do I do? Yeah. You were gifted. That's what I would do. Great for regifting. That's the yeah, gift. Merry Christmas, Uncle Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Put a bow on it, change the name on the tag. But no, so let's say, let's say I, so I sent you flowers and let's pretend it wasn't weird. I would call you and say, hey, David, this is Pat. And you go, Pat. I'm like, Pat from Postal. I just popped you a few flowers. And you'd probably go, yeah, you did. You're like, I appreciate you answering your phone. Now that I've got your attention, do you mind giving me five minutes? And it is so as simple as shocking. that, huh? It is so shocking how many people say yes because they're, they're still in that state of kind of confusion. Especially yeah. if you can get them that quickly. Like, they're like, okay, sure. Like, you sent me flowers. Now, usually for us, it's it's not flowers. We do, at Postal right now, what we're finding works really well is books. Because you can get real custom of books. Like, you can- re- I love you, books. Yeah. And if you know someone professionally, which is so available with LinkedIn, like, you can get a really personalized, like, hey, I want, I thought you would appreciate this. Especially if you can find a book that kind of leans in a little bit to the the offerings that your organization has. So we're leveraging books. And then we have some like electronic gifts that you can do. A little bit more lightweight. Obviously not physical, so you lose the psychology involved in sending. But charity donations have been wildly successful because right now people are compelled to help. Say, look, I know... David, I really, you know, I love the opportunity to speak with you. In fact, I'm so, I believe so strongly that Postal is a good fit that I want to make a donation on your behalf. That sounds a little bit like the Seinfeld episode when he, if George gave out, <laughs> we have made a donation to, in your name to the human fund. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? But yes. no, I, I think that's actually an awesome use of you know, funds, because if you send somebody something that they're just going to throw away, like a piece of swag, you know, instead it's for a good cause, right? Exactly. And there's so many amazing, I should just call them technology organizations, technology companies, but they're charities, but they basically aggregate all these charities into one place. So if, you know, if you're really passionate about your local dog shelter, it's very likely you can donate to them. I've seen that. That's amazing. 
Yeah. And it's, we did a ton of due diligence specifically on charities when we were, when we were vetting vendors, because obviously that's one that's going to get a ton of scrutiny. And the last thing you want to find out is that a charity you've been, you've been enabling people to send to isn't obviously maximizing their donations, but it's, it's incredible what they've been able to do truly. And just giving people access to so, to so many organizations and you can get so, I would almost call it microscopic in what it is that you're donating and who did you need to. All right. So we got to do a lot of research to do this. So this is going to be for your A accounts, right? Your top accounts to do this. Or are we talking, you know, you put in a lot of time at the top and then less time in sort of the middle accounts? I think you put a ton of time in at your top. You know, again, going back to that six digits, if you're talking six figure deals, I think you should put your time and energy at the top of funnel, especially right now. I think that we were given the opportunity to do that. I think the minute you drop below that, I think that's when you start balancing quality and quantity. You want to make sure you've nailed the ICP. You want to make sure that these are people that will find value in your solution. And then you go for a what I call scaled personalized approach, leveraging things like merge fields and so forth and finding, you know, okay, well, if I have a bunch of, let's say, SDR leaders, what kind of books do I think they're going to be that SDR leaders would like? Okay, I'm going to send them the sales engagement playbook by Manny Medina. That speaks to what they do. I'm going to send that. Now, okay, maybe I have a bunch of CROs, but my profile I sell to is like, let's say sub 50 employees. In that case, maybe I send them the sales acceleration formula from Mark Roberge. And so there's ways you can do it that feel very personalized, but you can do at scale. Got it. Okay. And so now are you using this at Postal? Do you use Postal at Postal? We do use Postal at Postal. We talk about Postal at Postal a lot at Postal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, and now you're, and you're selling this to marketing teams or sales, sales teams. Mm-hmm. What's your target market? Good question. So we have the blessing and the curse of being used by quite a few departments. So we have to be very careful with how we really put people into the funnel. And that first sequence they get really has to talk to them. So we sell to marketing and primarily we talk to lead gens, people who manage lead gen and VPs of marketing. So for them, we're talking primarily around top of funnel. Sometimes you can bundle in, you know, sales development. We also work quite heavily with revenue operations and VPs of sales, as well as some CROs, if the company's smaller, around mid-funnel engagement and momentum. So there's ways you can use offline to really drive faster deal closes by making sure you're kind of always top of mind. It's also a nice way you can kind of do a reach out maybe to your economic buyer in a really lightweight way, kind of like, hey, we're really excited to partner with you. Wanted to send you maybe it's like a swag box or something like that. And then we also work, and this is, this, I'm going to be perfectly honest, this is something new for us. It only has started happening in the past, uh, I'd say two months, is we started working with a lot of customer success and renewals teams. I think, you know, when the world kind of hit the fan and we were trying to figure out what to do, there's a lot of companies who really decided to take the opportunity to double down and really invest in their existing business. And it's tough if you have a lot of customers, especially if your average deal value is really low, it's really tough to keep them all engaged. Like you can't afford to have a CSM calling all of them, you know, every couple of weeks. So we have built something that we call playbooks inside of Postal, which have, it's basic, think about automated drip emails, but imagine it being physical. 
then, you know, so you can build it based off whatever your renewal renewal cadence is, but that way make sure they think you're always kind of thinking of them and you, they, you ensure they're always thinking of you. And so that when you reach out to them, maybe for the first time in a couple months, like 30 days before the renewal, they're not like, Oh, you're just, you know, you're just like the tax man. You just come to collect your money, but rather they know that you've been, you've been available to them in one way, shape or form. And so that's been an, a new thing for us that we've been working with companies to kind of re-engage existing customers, as well as just driving customer engagement to webinars. I know there's a bit of webinar fatigue right now, so making sure you know people people do attend. And yeah, there's so many different use cases. You know, your imagination could go wild with this because, you know, like you said, there's sort of that fatigue of mm-hmm. digital communication. I mean, they call it like Zoom fatigue, right? Where oh yeah you know, having something physical in your hand or even, you know, a donation, it's just different. That's exactly what it is. It's just different. And I remember five or so years ago, you know, social selling, everyone could go get their social selling index number. That was, that was different. Oh, like LinkedIn emails. Oh my gosh. No, like it was a hot thing. Not a lot of people were doing it. That was the way you were different. And now like many things, you just kind of become one in the same. And so it's as we add these channels, it's about making sure that the way you add these, you know, like I said, I call the direct mail channel, the fourth channel, there's going to be a fifth. Don't know what it is. There's going to be a sixth. Holograms. Holograms. There we go. Oh, Those God, are coming in cool. hot. Yeah. Sorry. That's go the ahead. last thing somebody wants is me to start sending holograms of myself to their living room. <laughs> Hi, Bob. Did you get my flowers? <laughs> oh, that's nice. the thing nightmares are made of. Oh my God. It really is. But yeah, so I think as, as, as we add these channels, it's making sure that we add them in a, like a super scalable, repeatable process. And doing that and making sure that it still stays personalized is really tough. But that's what we aim to do at Postal, at least when it comes to direct mail. Now, we were talking pickles, right, before the episode started. Yes. Can I ship pickles out to people? You know, yes, you can if you want to. We'll hook okay. you up with the vendor and we'll make sure that's available in the marketplace. But it's... <laughs> People get really creative. You know, it's awesome to be a technology platform that just, you know, the way we work is we integrate into all these vendors. They can trigger one-off sends within a super short SLA period. And so we, t- we get requests all the time and we just update the marketplace as long as, you know, the technology is already built. So it's not hard for us to add things. And I will say I've learned a lot from our customers. I've learned firstly that they're way more creative than I am. Also explains why I'm in sales and not marketing. But yeah, you can send anything. We've got coffee companies that are shipping like super cool little espresso cups. We have a veteran, we have a veteran-owned business that sends exclusively American flags, which I thought was very interesting. It wasn't something we had seen. And then we have other technology companies kind of sending like cute little, I would call them, I think they originally called them like working from home survival guides, but I think that's kind of been a little bit overused right now. Yeah, there's a whole lot of things. The sky's the limit. Exactly, exactly. And folks, so everyone listening, my address is on the 10-bound website, and I like pickles. (laughs) I'm going to encourage everyone to head over to postal.io, right? Yep, there we go. Call Patricia, and we'll go from there. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been super interesting. I think this is the next big thing, and you guys are right at the forefront. So, Awesome. Well, yeah, we're, we're excited to be where we are, and thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. And how do we get in touch with you for real? Do we just go to the website? You on LinkedIn? What's the best way to connect? Well, if you want to get in touch with Postal, go to the website. There's plenty of calls to action all over the place. You can get in touch with someone. 
you want to get a hold of me, you can go to my LinkedIn. I think I keep my email up there and my cell phone, believe it or not. Please don't abuse the cell phone. <laughs> Send you something, right? Yeah. I mean, I have so much respect for SDRs right now. I haven't engaged this much with people who are prospecting to me in previous roles. It's a tough place to be. And when I get a good outreach from an SDR, like I feel like I have an obligation as a sales professional to give them time. There you go, folks. There you go. So if that, give me a good outreach. I'll make sure you get minutes. And leave a message, right? I mean, nobody leaves a message anymore. So I don't know who it is that's calling. They just hang up. Yeah, nobody leaves a message. I will say I'm starting to get leave more. I started to get more message. voicemails now, though, that say, don't leave a message. I don't listen to it which for me is always an open invitation to text them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said so, buddy. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Hey, thanks. I did as well. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.